This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. So our challenge as Christians is to understand that if we've been comforted and we've received peace from God, uh, then we can also bring comfort and peace to others. Uh, our challenge as Christians is to follow in the way of Christ who did this for others. We have so many things that God has in, instructed us to do. And as we see in God's Word, like in, uh, uh, in Matthew chapter uh, 28, verses 19 through 21, we see um, God challenge us to uh, teach others to observe the commands that He has already taught us to observe them, not just to know them, but to observe them. We see in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3-7, through 7, that the God who has comforted us has challenged us to comfort others. Uh, we see in um, uh, Proverbs chapter 3 that we don't lean on our own understanding, but we lean on what God has given us as truth for this life. And so as we put all of those together, what we can know is these aren't commands that we have, they're God's commands. It's not wisdom that we have, because wisdom's poured out from above, right? James tells us that. It's, uh, it's not even our own comfort that we have. It's the comfort that God has already given us. And so my challenge for you this morning is to understand, just as we, we have throughout this series, that we can minister God's Word to others. So this morning I'm joined by Pastor Bill and Miss Catherine Vandervalk, who leads our student ministry and co-leads our young adults alongside myself. Um, I'm joined by them for the purpose of everyone in this room understanding that we can minister God's Word to one another. Here at WBC, we call that biblical soul care. Now, we have biblical counseling available, but what we, we try to do is try to help you understand you can give soul care to each other. You can minister God's Word to each other. Uh, but we also have trained uh, um, with people with masters, people with training, uh, people who have invested deep amounts of time, uh, who have uh, gotten to a place in their life where they are counseling one-on-one, long-term, uh, short-term, different seasons, uh, different difficulties, primarily with mood disorders, not mental disorders. Uh, we walk with people through those seasons. Uh, both Pastor Bill and Catherine are both trained uh, to do that kind of counseling. But we want you to know this morning that every single person in this room is called to give biblical counsel, biblical soul care to one another. The way we do that is by ministering God's Word to one another. Not our Word, His Word. And so I want, for the first ten minutes, to take some time to uh, show you how to better take God's Word and understand it for the purpose of ministering it to others. Okay, so my responsibility is to help you understand how to do exegesis for the purpose of ministering God's Word. Exegesis, you can think about it like this. It's exposing God's truth rather than imposing my truth. Exposing God's truth rather than imposing my truth. All right, so we're going to expose God's Word to one another. These are truths, like theological truths, that uh, help us to be still and be calm by knowing who God is by knowing what he's, do, what he's done and what He will do. Theology is a study of who God is. Think about it like this. Uh, theology is theos plus logos. Logos means a word, and theos means God. Uh, so it's a word about God. So theology is when we look at Scripture and we say, okay, this is what this passage means. 
Uh, this is what, you learn this in Alpha, right? We go through Alpha four weeks. Uh, we learn this in D groups, if you've been through a D group. Uh, you may have learned this in a college class or seminary course, or maybe you learned it in some form of a Bible study that you've been through. Uh, regardless of how you've learned it, you've learned how to expose God's Word. I want, I'm showing you what, what we do with that truth as we go towards ministering it to others. And that is, we've asked the first question, what does this passage say about who God is? Because when people better understand who God is, they can better have comfort and peace in who He is. They can understand that if He's the creator of all things, then He's got everything under control. That if He brings peace, if He's a God who's brought peace continuously over time, then He'll bring peace in my situation. He has got control. So, first thing we're doing is we're asking about this passage, what does theology say? What, what, what does it say about who God is, who I am, and what this world is? All right? Second thing I want you to do when you look at these passages is ask, uh, what is it calling me to worship? We call this doxology. Doxology is, again, logos, uh, a word about doxa, which is uh, honor, glory, uh, worth. Uh, so it's a word about the worth of God, word about the praise of who God is. And what it does is doxology settles your heart. If theology settles your mind because of who you know God is, doxology settles your heart because it causes you to, or it challenges you to love something different than what you've loved. It's really a challenge to uh, cause us to be passionate, affectionate, uh, uh, driven towards what God loves and to love God rather than the things of this world. And so maybe you've found somebody who you're counseling or uh, just giving biblical soul care to, and they're struggling with what they love, and you need to uh, show them truth about who they should love and what they should love in this world. You're looking at Scripture, finding that truth, and asking, how is this passage calling me to love, to worship God more? Okay, third thing is discipleship. So we're looking at it through three lenses, theology, doxology, and discipleship. Now, discipleship should always lead to a better theology and a better doxology. But discipleship is really asking the question, what does it look like for me today to follow after Christ? So for everyone in this room, you have habits, you have desires, you have things that you've formed in you that you do physically with your hands, with your, with your feet, with your mouth, with your, with your, with your body. You, you do things, you're active. But God has called us to something different. And through that we find discipleship, to be obedient to Christ's Word, to be obedient to who He is and what He has called you to do. Discipleship. And so does it, when, we, when we look at a passage, we expose that truth. We mine for that truth. We discover it through good exegesis, solid exegesis. Ask the question, what is this passage calling us to do? How is it calling me to live different? How is it calling me to think different theology? And how is it causing, calling me to worship different? Theology, doxology, and discipleship. Because we know that Scripture tells us in 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, that all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for at least four things. Minimum four things. For, re- for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. But notice what what the Scripture says. It says in verse 17, "...so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work." Counseling and biblical soul care is not simply helping you to be okay. It's not simply getting you just uh, all right. As Pastor Bill would say, we're not just getting you back to where you were. We're helping you get to a place that's better than where you were. 
And what Scripture would say specifically to that is, it's making you equipped for every good work. In other words, it's bringing you to a place of holiness and righteousness. It's not just making you okay. If secular counseling and uh, secular self-help books and all those different things are making you okay and, and making you a better version of yourself, Scripture is making you like Christ. And so biblical counsel and biblical soul care is forming you in to who Christ is. All right, so biblical exegesis is for the purpose of forming you in, uh, through biblical soul care, is for the purpose of forming you in to who God has created you to be, into the image of God as he originally created you to be. Now, maybe sitting here like, Matt, I don't even know what you're talking about with exegesis and doxology and all these Greek words and stuff. That's okay. I've got three different resources that are going to help you with exegesis. All right, now exegesis is a, uh, again, exposing God's truth to us to better understand it. Without, not everybody in this room needs to learn Greek and Hebrew. Some of you do. Some of you should. Some of you should study hard in that way, academically. But others of you might say, Matt, I just want to, I just want to better understand God's Word. What are some resources? I've got some resources here for you that I'm going to show you. I'm not going to read through all of them. This too, too much, too big. But I am going to show you what they are. Grasping God's Word. This will help you to better understand God's Word. We use this in seminary classes, college classes. We use this on our campus to train next-gen pastors. It's a great resource for you if you are looking to uh, become a, uh, a biblical counselor or do biblical soul care well through exegesis. A great workbook that comes along with this, but this is a little bit more of a difficult read. Um, if you want to be challenged, this is your resource. All right, Grasping God's Word. Two of my professors, love them. They did a phenomenal job with this uh, book. The next is Scripture and Counseling. Uh, this is Pastor Bill's uh, uh, professor, Bob Kellerman. Dr. Bob Kellerman, he's a biblical counselor, uh, probably one of the best known or, or is the most well-known uh, biblical counselor in America, I would say. And uh, this is a great book for you if you want to learn how to minister God's Word to others. But it's a little bit easier to read uh, than grasping God's Word. And I would recommend it to those who want to do good biblical soul care through biblical exegesis. So check this out, Scripture and Counseling by D uh, Dr. Bob Kellerman. And then finally, fresh off the press, Pastor Bill, I think it was last week, I've shown you a pre-released version, but this is the final product. This is the Life Council Bible. Dr. Bob Kellerman, same guy who wrote that book, has uh, put together a great group of people uh, and lots of people who put resources in here for how to understand God's Word and how to minister God's Word to others. Uh, some phenomenal, uh, uh, just short articles in here, but also just some useful exegesis tips uh, along with that in this study Bible. We do have these available on campus, but you can also order them on Amazon and all sorts of different Bible distributors. Uh, but as always, we try to have one available for you to check out before you buy it so that you know if you want it. This is the Life Council Bible. It will help you in your biblical exegesis and biblical soul care. Again, our purpose is that you don't walk away from this uh, discussion in time feeling like you can't do this. Like, oh, this is just for the pastors. Oh, this is just for counselors. No, God's Word says that you have suffered in this life and been comforted by God so that what? You can comfort others. Uh, Ephesians is full of this. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, why do we have God's Word? It's useful for those four things so that every person in this room will be equipped for every good work. That's our job, is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is biblical soul care, biblical discipleship, 
And so we want to equip you to be able to do that. So there's some great resources. I have some others available up here if you'd like to check them out afterwards. But I want to ask you, Pastor Bill, uh, biblical exegesis, I love it. I love the academic side of it. You know that. But how do we actually put this into play? So I've, I've often said to people that I need the mats of the world in my life because he has a deep passion for God's word and the exegesis part and everything. And um, not that you don't have a deep passion for people, because you do. You have a great passion. No, I don't like people. That's right. <laughs> Actually, Matt, they don't like you. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Probably true. So it's what he's saying is right on the money, because people will say to me often, hey, well, I'd like to be a biblical counselor. And I go, so tell me what your Bible knowledge is. And they go, well, I'm going to come to your class so you can teach me the Bible. And I go, that's not what we teach. You have to have that Bible knowledge. <laughs> That's for counselors. But most of you in the room don't maybe feel called to be a counselor, but you are called to give biblical soul care. That's the thing that's important to know. So I'm going to give you a couple scenarios in a second, but I want to, I want, I want to give you something to think about. So what if either myself or Matt or Pastor Glenn came up here and said, we're going to go through Philippians 2, 1 through 11. And we literally read about the humility of Christ. And then we pray and we walk off stage. What would you all think? Just curious. Anybody? You might go, well, that was kind of weird. And again, you might go, hey, that was nice. Now we can leave and go home, go get lunch at Denny's or Somebody something. I didn't study this week. Right. That's what I think. <laughs> well, it's the same thing where if you came to me and said, hey, I'm struggling with X, and I said, well, read this passage and I'll be praying for you. Mm. I mean, that's horrible. It's horrible counsel. We get criticized all the time. I was talking to somebody about this in the hallway. We get criticized all the time as Christians. You know, something tragic will happen and we'll go, we'll pray for you. Well, we're, yes, we're called to pray, but we're also called to share our lives with them as we learn in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. We not only shared the gospel with you and knowledge, but we shared our very own lives with you because we loved you. That's what we're called to do. So, what should the church look like? I'm going to give you a quote out of Paul Tripp's book, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. The church is not a theological classroom. It's a conversion, confession, repentance, reconciliation, forgiveness, and sanctification center where flawed people place their trust in Christ, gather to know and love him better, and learn to love others as he has designed. The church is messy and inefficient, but it is God's wonderful mess, the place where he radically transforms hearts and lives. Mm -hmm. I think some of us have probably grown up in a church, been in a church all of our lives, and we're used to going to Sunday school and reading back the Ten Commandments, giving the 66 books of the Bible, telling people that we know how many books Paul has written, and we think that's what calls us to be a Christian. We are called to take that knowledge, folks, and share it with others, whether inside the church or outside the church. So let me give you a couple things to think about, because this is, this is real life. We often have people come up to us all the time and say, hey, could I sit and talk with you? I'm struggling with this big life decision I have, and I'd love to get your wisdom or counsel on it. Or maybe during COVID, we all had an opinion, right? All had an opinion. 
I'm sure your neighbor was probably across the fence, like uh, in uh, what's no. yeah, home, uh, home improvement. Home improvement. And like the Tim the Tool Man Taylor, you know that he had the guy on the other side of the fence probably was going, man, I don't know what it is about this crazy world. This place is going to in a handbasket, right? <laughs> But we hopefully are hearing, but I don't know what it is about you, but you seem kind of calm and peaceful for all this, with, with this. What is it? So let's start here. Psalm 121. If you want to turn in your Bibles, you can, but otherwise it's, it's eight verses, but it is action-packed with what Matt just said. Understanding who God is, knowing what his attributes are, his character, right? So Psalm 121. I lift my eyes towards the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. Verse 7 and 8. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going, both now and forever. So let's say, take those two scenarios, and let's say this is the passage the Lord has you in this week. And you've been chewing through it. So what are some things that stand out to you? It's things like the Lord comes and he helps. He helps us. He will come to us and help us. He will not allow us to fail. It says three times in there, he's our protector. I, I was taught early on that if it's over and over again in Scripture, it's probably something we want to grasp. He is our protector. And he will protect us from harm. He will protect our lives. And he protects us always. Just some quick, literally, 30-second nuggets out of that passage. Those truths are what hopefully will sink in you, change you, create heart transformation in you, which now you are then able to pass those truths on to somebody else. So let's look at those scenarios again. So that person, let's, let's take the person that probably is the unbeliever that's your neighbor. Folks, they are looking for truth. They are looking for answers to life. They may not be looking where we look, but they are in the same boat that we are. They are looking for truth. Praise the Lord. You've probably heard it in my prayers when I preach. I thank the Lord that he has given us his word, which is full of truth. Because I truthfully don't have to look elsewhere. Your neighbor who is going, what is wrong with this world? Why are you so peaceful? You could say to him, hey, can I read something out of scripture? I don't know if you're a believer or not, but I'd like to read something out of scripture. And if you were able to say to him, you want to know why I go to bed at night peaceful? Because the Lord's my protector. He's my shield. He will not leave me coming and going forever and ever. That's how I go to bed at night and not let this world weigh me down. That's one way of using that 
that passage. It's a simple way. But that passage has to change you for you to be able to change others. Hmm. Because if it's not changing you, all you are doing is saying, take two verses and call me in the morning. But when that passage, when God's word transforms your heart, the Holy Spirit working inside of you, you are now able to use that word the way God wants you to do. Now, so let's take that other, that other uh, person comes to you and they're going, man, I just had this big life decision. And I feel like I've always made these wrong decisions and I just need some help making these types of decisions. It's different here. Because see, as an an unbeliever, you have to handle God's word differently. But with a believer, you would hope they believe the same truth. So I might say, Zimmer, since you're sitting up front, I'm going to use you. I might say to the Zimmers, hey, here's what I'd like you to do. This week, all this week, I'd like you to read through Psalm 121. I want you guys to be praying together about it. And then I want you to take some time during the day and just reflect. What is it that God's really reminding you of? He's my protector. He's my shield. Okay? And then in the evening, what I might have you do is, hey, in your homework this week, what I'd like you to do is journal how God has remained your protector over the years. Because I'm going to use the knucklehead, and yes, it's me saying it, not Matt or Catherine. We are knuckleheads. We, right? We tend to forget. We tend to go, Lord, where are you? You have forgotten me. And then you go, well, you know, there was that time he didn't forget me then. Oh, there was that time he didn't forget me then. Oh, and, and then he brought me the right wife. Yep, and then he, yep, he did. Oh, yep, yep, God's got my back. We have to be reminded of that. Well, that's part of what we do as brothers and sisters walking alongside of others is to give them those reminders. Because Matt said it. Maybe not in exact words, but this is what you were getting at. In our suffering and our sin, Dr. Kellum used to always say, it's like, it's like we have blinders on us. And we start to go, this is the problem. And when somebody comes alongside us and helps remove those blinders, we start to remember God's goodness. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good, right? Those are the things that we do. Just Psalm 121, helping somebody to remind them of those truths and the characteristics of God. Hmm. Now look, I just took seminary, teaching 50 plus biblical lay counselors, reading many, many books, and I just tried to give it to you in about 11 minutes. I have a deep passion for it. If you want to talk more about it and learn more about it, I would love, love to talk to you about it. Yeah, and we also have uh, biblical soul care training uh, on YouTube and Right Now Media that Pastor Bill has put together. Uh, We're going to do some on-campus work with that as well. He has a uh, nine-month training program that he goes through with individuals, um, which is one that Kat was actually able to go to. So we're going to come to Kat. But as we do, um, Pastor Bill makes such a good point that the reason why we can't just give people God, people God, people God's word, which sounds like, well, that's like what we should do. What are you talking about, Matt? Uh, why would you not just give people God's word? Because God's word doesn't tell you just to give it to them. Okay, so that's where you got to look at it. Uh, the Great Commission, as we've already alluded to, says what? Teach them to observe everything I have commanded you. 
It does not say teach them to know. It says teach them to observe, follow, obey. So what Pastor Bill is showing you is it's, it's wonderful to give somebody God's Word, but it's ministering God's Word when you stick with them, when you walk with them, when you go through the difficulties and you don't just say, hey, you'll be all right. I'll pray for you. But you minister to them. So one of the individuals that Pastor Bill and I have been equipping and developing into uh, um, a biblical lay counselor is Catherine. Uh, I got to do Catherine's wedding a few months ago uh, to the Garrett Vandervalk, one of my best friends, an amazing guy. And uh, we're so proud of you. So the reason, one of the awesome reasons Catherine's up here is because, you know, you may be sitting out there like, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I don't know if I can do biblical soul care. I don't know if I can give counsel to anyone. All right? If you're seriously sitting there right now, think about this. What was it, six years ago, maybe you, weren't, you were not a believer. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's okay. correct. Okay, about six years ago, not a believer, in college at College Park, right? Uh, comes to faith, gets discipled, walks into, like, our church. For, I don't know, first time I saw you, you had a mask on, so I know it was, yeah, it was quite a while ago. Yeah, it was an outside service. Yeah, it was an outdoor service. Uh, you stuck with us. Uh, you came on as intern, resident, then we hired you. Uh, you went through a nine-month program you thought was going to be nine weeks, uh, and, which was hilarious. She's in a prayer, and they're like, the next nine months? And she's like, nine months? I thought this was nine weeks. <laughs> she got herself in I actually didn't think program. it was going to be that long either. Or I was like, he must have meant nine weeks. Yeah. Even that's kind of long. Oh, you thought it was like four weeks? Oh, yeah. Oh, my I goodness, did. that's hilarious. <laughs> so anyways, um, Kat has been investing Matt, in, I just jumped into it. What's new? I Nothing new there. I didn't know what I was doing. Typical Matt and Kat. We need, uh, we need Casey around us uh, often. So anyways, um, she's done a phenomenal job. She just got back from DR with me, like I said. And uh, I just want you to see, like, God is working, raising up next generation biblical lay counselors and uh, people who are invested in young adults and teenagers throughout our church. And if God can move in her life over the past six years, then can't he move in yours? And so, Kat, I got two questions for you. Um, first, what are some uh, some things in your life, like biblical truths, uh, wisdom truths, that you have taken into biblical counseling that have helped you in those ways? Yeah. So... One of the main things that has helped me bring God's word into people's struggles, their life uh, situations that they're seeking help with, is something I didn't intend to be used for that purpose, but it was. Um, and it, it's kind of silly because it's so simple, but yeah. it's just a, a daily, a consistent daily rhythm in God's word. Um, and continuing to saturate your mind in God's word daily. It has to be fresh. It has to be um, something that you're constantly learning and it's on your mind. So one thing that helps me, uh, I do my devotionals in the morning. And not everybody does that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, this, if you wanted to implement this, you would have to kind of figure out how this works for you. But I do my devotionals in the morning. So oftentimes I would read God's word in the morning and then kind of go on about my day. But what has been so helpful for me is to take time out of my day, whether that's a two minute walk or like just 30 seconds stopping work and just to pray because my mind's on so many other things during the day, right? Like uh, work or solving problems or trying to figure out how to do something better, whatever it may be. 
and my mind's not always thinking about God's word. And so when I take that time out multiple times a day to remember what he taught me in the morning, and sometimes it takes me a little bit, I'm like, what in the heck did I read this morning? <laughs> I don't know if y'all feel that way. Like, <laughs> like what did, did I even read? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I think I, yeah. yeah, and then you kind of remember what God was teaching you this morning. Not only does that help me throughout my day to just be aware and my eyes peeled for what God might be teaching me, and it reminds me that... Um, to stay connected with what he's doing with my day, but it also exercises the muscle of recalling his word. Um, When somebody comes to you in need and they need encouragement or um, just wisdom, we're, we're needing to use that muscle of recalling his word. And oftentimes, I know we've probably all experienced this, where uh, you experience somebody coming to you for help and you notice that what they really need is a scripture that God had already prepared for you, mm-hmm. or in, I guess uh, prepared you with the morning of. Like, oh, I read this this morning, and this person really needs this encouragement. Yep. And so keeping that fresh, uh, keeping God's word always uh, readily available to you to share with others, not just to continue to stay focused on what God's doing through your day, but to always be ready to share it and exercising that muscle of recalling it. Hmm, That's good. Yeah. um, Some of the difficulties of doing biblical lay counseling, I think, is, as you've said before, is you never know what somebody is going to come to you for. And so you may be studying God's Word in the morning, and you're like, what am I studying this for? Like, why am I engaging this passage? Why did the Lord lead me here? What does this have to do with anything? And you never know what someone else is going to be struggling with that day. Maybe you say, well, that wasn't really applicable to me. I've heard people say that about sermons. I don't even know if I got anything out of that sermon. It's like, you think everything's just about you. What if God's using you for others? You know, and I think uh, you you do a you do a really. I've seen her uh, in our D group curriculum. She's changed our D group curriculum because of her own personal discipleship habits. So I can say I've seen in you you learning God's word. It's one of the reasons you're on our staff is because you love God's word. And so forming your heart a passion for God's word that you may be able to dispense it to others. So what's tell me what uh, what is something that gives you confidence to be able to go into a an environment where you have to counsel somebody. Yeah, I, why that's difficult for me to kind of think through is I feel confident, but I also don't. Like my confidence is in the fact that I know God has intended to use ordinary people to share his word, which is holy, (laughs) and uh, use it to encourage others and build up the church. I'm confident of that. But then on the flip side, I'm also like in my head while somebody's sharing something with me um, and really struggling or they're in tears or something just terrible has happened or confusing. And I'm like, I have no idea what to say. I don't know. It's like there's 10 things going on right now and I don't know what to focus on. I don't know what, uh, honestly, I think about... um, I sometimes think, well, I'm not a pastor. Like, I I might not say this the way, like, Pastor Matt would or Pastor Bill would. Like, I honestly think that sometimes when I counsel, I'm like, would they say this? (laughs) Maybe that's not, I don't know if that's healthy. But, but like, I'll kind of just... (laughs) 
compare to what you guys might say. And I think that's helpful to some extent, but it's also like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a pastor. I'm not an apostle. I don't, yeah. you know, as Ephesians 4 would list like the giftings that uh, Christ has given to the church to build them up. I may not be those things, um, but he does say, further on in a few verses later that the apostles, the evangelists, the pastors are to equip the saints for the work of ministry and that the whole purpose is to build the body up into unity and maturity. And how they do that, verse 15, how they do that is by speaking the truth and love to one another. And so that's our role. Uh, that's their role too to us, but we learn from them how to do it and then we go and do it. And so sometimes what I think would disqualify me uh, is not being like a pastor or somebody who's gone through seminary. Um, God's word actually says that is what qualifies me to, to speak in other people's lives is that I am one of the people who is supposed to be equipped by yeah. you to go and then do it. And there's no other way that God is building up his church. It says in Ephesians 4, he builds up his church by one thing. They speak the truth and love to one another. They know the truth and they share it with each other and they build each other up. And that is how God's uh, church is going to be sanctified, made holy. It's through his spirit that's moving in us uh, to one another. And so that gives me confidence is like, okay, I know that I probably don't know what I don't, I probably won't say the right thing. I don't know. I may not. I don't know what to say. Uh, I don't really know what exactly this person is going through. Sometimes, sometimes I feel like I do, but sometimes I don't. Whether that's true or not, whether I do or I don't, I know that God has chosen uh, people, ordinary people in the church to, to speak his word mm. to others. So. Let's go. That's so good. So what about like when somebody comes to you and they're like, Right. Talking about yeah. your word and God's word. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I've had situations where uh, people I've either given advice to or given counsel to will uh, recall something that I've said. Uh, like, oh, yeah, we've talked about that. You said blank, blank, blank. And I'm like, that freaks me out because <laughs> knowing that they've clung to that, uh, sometimes I don't always realize that my words are... Um, I guess that they're really listening. That maybe that sounds bad, yeah. but that they are um, really clinging to them. And the reason why that scares me is because if they're really clinging to them, I really need to make sure that I'm not speaking my word, but God's word, because ultimately they don't yeah. need my word. Um, only God's word is going to actually bring transformation into their life. And so there's this healthy like fear of, gosh, I hope I'm saying this right, like. Gosh, I hope I'm. I hope this is God's word and not just my opinion, mm -hmm. um, because that's what that's what we really need. Yeah, yeah. That's so good, y'all. If uh, if they're gonna trust something, let it be that they trust God's word, not your word, right? And um, I think Kat's right on the money is that your confidence should come from the Lord's calling in your life and the Lord's word. I remember in when I was first, uh, you know. The, you were young when you first started here. I was young when I first started here. Uh, and it's one of the reasons, like, I, I was like, no, God is going to use you. God is going to use Casey. If you want to know what this church is about, 
and you think like, if you ever think in any time at the point in coming to this church or anything, you think like, hey man, we need to make sure that we have like the best pastors and the best ministers and the best directors and the best admins and all the best. You got to know this. I'm not the best first. Second of all, I'm not going to hire people that are perfect. What I want to hire is people that are ready to go from where they are to where God has for them. And I can remember the, you know, when I was being hired, I remember right sitting back right there, back there by Miss Linda Good. You know, back there, I remember somebody standing up and asking a question. They said, what qualifies you to be the pastor of this church? You know, there's hundreds of people in this room. going to hire a 27-year-old pastor from Texas. Don't know nothing about Maryland. Didn't even know it was a state. Thought it was a city. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd never been a lead pastor before, y'all. I was a student pastor. What qualifies you to be the senior pastor of this church? And I looked at them, and I was like, in my head, I'm like, I'm like, I'm literally thinking like nothing. <laughs> and and I looked at them, and I was like, I was like, God. And like, it's the truth, though. Like, I was not making that up. I still stand on that truth. Like, the only thing we have is God's calling in our life, God's word. He called me to be the a pastor. That's why I'm here. You think I'm not here because I'm strong enough, smart enough, uh, good enough, be- a good enough leader. I'm not here because of any of those reasons. Pastor Bill was a businessman for, uh, I was going to say hundreds of years, which is kind of accurate. <laughs> but back, back when we fought at Getty. Back when we fought at Getty. Sorry. He's 55 now, so he's getting kind of old. But anyways, uh, he's a businessman for many years. And the Lord called him out of that. And now he's transforming lives by applying God's word to people's lives. You know, Kat was a college student, uh, you know, headed to thrive in a, in a different field and has a degree in a completely different field. And God called her out of that. And now she's reaching young adults and teenagers with his word. You know, I don't know what qualifies you, but I know what qualifies me. And it's solely God's word and God's calling. And so uh, I hope that you will receive that too. Uh, don't receive that you know, your qualification comes from how much you know or how good you are or how eloquent you are, but rather what God has called you to do and what God has equipped you with. And that is His Word. So um, remember this as the band comes forward. Remember this truth. God sent forth His Son into this world who lived a perfect life despite facing sin and suffering in this world. He faced suffering towards Him and He faced sinners around Him. And yet He, through it all, remained perfect to show you what it's like to live in perfection. A perfect life. That when He came to the cross to the point of utter suffering, He endured the, the cross so that you might be free, so that you might be forgiven. He endured the cross so that you might have life. And ultimately, He was resurrected so that you might have eternal life. And so in Christ, we can have freedom. We can have forgiveness. We can have comfort and peace that we minister to others. So if the God of all comfort sent His Son into this world to die on the cross and raise from the dead so that you might have freedom, forgiveness, comfort, peace, strength, and calling... And how much so should you go and minister the same thing to others? If you're here in this room this morning and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior and want to talk more about that, I'm going to be over here standing here. I'm going to be right over here, guys, uh, if you want to talk to me. Kat, if you will, just be standing over here. And girls, free to talk to her. And finally, if you're here today and you're like, Matt, I need counsel. Pastor Bill's around and I want you to talk to him. He'll set you up with... Uh, a plan, uh, how to get to get to get the right counsel for any mood disorder, and uh, maybe get you on the right place for mental disorders as well. Uh, if you want, email counsel at discoverwbc.com. It's one of your easiest uh, ways forward. Email counsel at discoverwbc.com. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to continue in worship. 
God, you are so good. We uh, trust your word that it is infiltrating people's hearts right now and changing people's lives. I pray, Father, as we sing this song, that you would challenge us to speak Jesus into every environment, to the darkest of places, uh, to the most hurting people, to the brokenness in this world. God, would you help us to speak life into others? Um, as it says, I, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Father, would you help us to minister your word, speaking Jesus' name consistently to others around us in this church and to those in this community and to those globally. God, we love you. I trust you are working right now. Father, would you move? I pray this in your son's name. Amen. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.